All right, guys, and we are back. So, we back. Yes. So the word of the day is, you're going to hate me for this. The word of the day is booty tickle. What? <laughs> booty what? Booty tickle. I thought okay. she said like booty trickle. Like, I mean, okay, that's. That's kind of nasty. That's some know. other shit, bro. I don't, that's what I don't know like. about all that. I mean, people would be like, well, what the fuck with booty tickled? But like booty trickled, that's that's another level. That sounds like some swass. <laughs> I'm done. You know um, what is? Nope. Sweaty ass? Ew. But the fact that you're... Booty no. Trickle. That's disgusting. No, you know what that... Re- when you said that, that reminds me of uh, Don't Be a Menace. When like he was talking about, have you ever just seen the suds just go down a nigga's bed? Anyways. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> no. It's Not bad a... that you remind that part. <laughs> I mean, you that said... Part. <laughs> you said booty trickle, bro. It's going down the back. <laughs> well, I guess that's okay for you, but... I mean, nah, I'm not even into that. Okay, so usually, I usually put, like, the word in a sentence, but I'm just going to give you a scenario with this one. <laughs> Brandon, don't... <laughs> Don't look like that. I'm listening. All right. I'm listening. So let's just say, (laughs) let's just say, you know, you're hanging out with some guy or girl, you know, whatever you, whatever floats your boat. And then the person. What kind of hangout is this? This is just someone you're just trying to get to know. Obviously, it could be a date, it could be whatever. But then let's just say, like, he or she or they. They're just trying to fuck. And you're like, nah, fam. Like, I'm just trying to, like, kick it, right? Mm. And then they get in their feelings. And then they just want to go bad on you and be like, you was an ugly-ass bitch anyways. So, guess who's booty tickled? That nigga. And that is how you use booty tickle. Not in a sentence, but that's just a scenario. (laughs) Stop. I don't get it. <laughs> really? Okay. So basically, nigga, booty tickled is another way of saying someone's butt hurt. So it's just levels to the shit. So if you're butt hurt, you're like, oh, okay, like whatever. Like that sucks. But booty tickle, like, no, it's just like you're like aggressively upset. Tickle and aggressively upset <laughs> don't go together <laughs> at all. They're not, you don't have a connotation. Hey, look, tickle. It's kind of close to aggressively upset. It doesn't, I don't know, man. You know what? I give you that. I give you that. Because it's not. You can say booty triggered. Okay. Triggered is more aggressively upset. Booty triggered. Nah. Nah. That doesn't really. Booty tickles kind of (laughs) like. We can't even say it without laughing. Where's the anger in the. (laughs) I think I'm going to stay with butt hurt. Okay. Just stick with butt hurt. Say nigga mad. <laughs> Just say the nigga's mad. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, my name is Renee. The word of the day is swass instead of booty tickle. <laughs> it's Brandon Woods. Just B Woods is an IG. Follow and we'll see what's up. <laughs> and welcome back to the Bougetto Chronicles, where we talk about all things bougie and ghetto as hell. 
So how was your weekend, friend? Um, super productive, you know, as always. But um, played some basketball, met some new people. And that's about it. I'm just, I'm light now. I'm chilling. I feel it. I had some crazy years, so I'm dialing it back. You're just retired. Going shopping for some canes. <sighs> okay. Is it a pimp cane or like? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, somebody called me a pimp. Like, are you a pimp or something like that? I started to get to know somebody new before I quit getting to know people new. <laughs> He's off like, the market, guys. Listen, uh, she looked at my Instagram and was like, I don't know. Are you a pimp? Or what do you what do you have going on? I'm like, a pimp? Do people still do that? Do people pimp in San Francisco? Can I mean... y'all tell us that? Or Oakland? <laughs> So, yeah, okay, first off, there is a street in Oakland that's known for hoeing. So, yeah, that it's still like a thing. Mission. No, that's that's in San Francisco. It's oh. in Oakland. See, I'm but there are places in San Francisco that people are still hoeing, too. So Yeah? Yeah. Street walking? Mm-hmm. Mm. Street walking, you know. What um, would define somebody as a pimp? What would make them look like one? Cause I saw somebody at um, the bar, I think yesterday or the day before, on Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. full blown pimp attire. Had no idea, but he wasn't a pimp. Though, I don't think. I mean, but there's levels to it, right? Because like a pink suit with a feather hat, and he has some other action going on, and that's what I think of when I think of pimps. But that's like a Mississippi pimp. Like that's like a Southern pimp's like attire. That's, that's a Mississippi not- what? Some Mississippi <laughs> pimp, yes. Exactly. That's like, yeah. I think pimps up here they don't really dress like that. I mean, unless you're like an OG pimp, like I don't, I don't know. Have you run into any pimps? I have. I actually know a former pimp. Oh, <laughs> speaking from experience. I know, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cool. I wasn't running the streets like that. Yo, you got me fucked up. I didn't. No. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I wasn't even going there. I was a lot of disrespect like that. It's crazy. Nah, I mean, so I technically know two former pimps. So one of them was my old boss's boyfriend. Okay. Right. So that one, I had to interview him for like a school project and everything. And it was kind of weird. And he was telling me how pretty I was. I was like, yo, so I'm not about to. (laughs) What we not going to do? Yeah. Um, So that was one that I knew. And then another one. So he's kind of, he's in my, adjacent to my friend group. And I didn't know, like, I would have never thought he was a pimp. And then I found out that, yeah. Anyways. How'd you find out? Because his cousin told me. Oh. Right. Okay. And so I asked him about it. He's like, no, no, that's not true. And he's just like, I just know hella bitches. And I was like. Yeah, that sounds mm, kind of. Sounds like some pimp shit. That's Oaklandish too, right? With the yeah. Hell? Well, Bay Area, but yeah, mainly Oakland. Mm. Yeah. What do you guys say? Who? Because you say like we say hella, obviously, but we say hella too. We said hella. I'm from the Midwest and East Coast, so hella's been around. I don't know. I don't know if y'all created that shit, but that's I'm... the first time I heard of the Bay Area creating hella. I mean, I think we we definitely did create hella. Like, I don't really know a lot of East Coast people that say it unless they've, like, 
lived out here for a little bit or they've like visited hella times but it's definitely it's definitely more of like a bay area thing especially even like for like socal like most people don't people say it now in socal but it was never really a thing before except it's always been like a bay area thing huh yeah the more you know right well my weekend was fun but clearly not as fun as cardi b and jadana's because did you well you don't really look at pop culture shit so (laughs) do you so basically they were in fucking legos and they They were living no they went to nigeria bruh (laughs) they went to nigeria and (laughs) (laughs) these niggas went to lego (laughs) that's believable for cardi b but for jedina i'm like why would he go to legoland i'm not sure i know who that is pull up a picture let me see jedina classic man oh okay yes yes Fine ass Nigerian, yes, that nigga. Okay. Yeah, he's, Ooh, he's so fine. Anyways, that's your so style, huh? I mean, he is my type. Everybody mm, knows that's my husband. That's my thing. Yes, <laughs> thing. I feel like every time he's been in the Bay, I've like come to see him. So I'm mm. just like, it's gonna happen. Anyways, um, so they went. You say to, you came when you see what? So every time he comes to the Bay, like I come and see him. Like I thought you said you came when you see. Okay. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not even going to entertain what you just said, but I have no idea. I was just trying to listen. It's all good. So they went to Nigeria and they went to a strip club. It was all over the place. And yeah, I mean, basically, Cardi literally is just like me. I've come to realize like she's everybody's (laughs) hype person, like all the strippers and shit like that. She was hyping these bitches up, making it rain and everything. But it was hella funny because Jadena was like carefully placing the dollars. Like, and I was like, really? When she's over here like making it rain and shit. And it was it seemed like a lot of fun. So, yeah. That's dope. Yeah. But that's not how my week my weekend went. So my weekend, um, I don't know, because at first I was kind of like in a weird like rut. So mm. I was here, I was just working on a bunch of creative stuff. And then one of my friends was like, bitch, you need to get out the house. So she came to my house, was like, look, I got hella liquor. We're about to go to this party. We're about to turn the fuck up. And I was like, damn, fine. I guess I'll get ready. So, mm. but I'm happy I did because I had a lot of fun, met a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah, you know, met some great people and turned the fuck up. Met <laughs> some great ass people. Oh, man. Anyway. I got dragged to a dinner um, with surgeons. I don't even know where we were, but we were sitting over there looking over the whole city. They had maids bringing wine freaking cupcakes and had a whole layout of all different types of food and uh, you know when you know why people um, see us and mm-hmm. see our hair and things of that sort and right. there are a couple of those moments yeah. it's like yo is this all you oh is that ri- wow how did they do oh and then the hair touching happened i'm like man all of these things it's what I be seeing on movies, but it really plays out in real life too. It'd be funny though. And then, you know, older lady was pushing up, talking about, well, you're with that. Why do all the short women get all the tall men? What's going on? Hey, but that's like, like facts eight. though. She's like, hey, right? Oh. So, <laughs> so she tried to, she was wilding, like wilding, wilding. So all these scenarios played out, and I'm like, man. This is crazy. So this is my first time in this situation like that. 
all of them are surgeons, all of them are super well off, but it's crazy. That's where I was then. Nice. It sounds like you had a very bougie weekend. That was a super bougie weekend. I sure. mean, I'm not mad at it. Yeah. So. You got ghetto in the freaking old people club. What old people club did you go to? The one next to Parliament. Oh, district. District. <laughs> yeah. yeah, district on Sunday. That's where all the salt daddies are. I'm like, yo, <laughs> where we at? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I saw the pimp dude. I'm not surprised. It's fucking district. That's where all the OGs are. And like, yeah. Yeah, So. Damn, bro. Um, what else did I do? I mean, I partied, obviously, but I didn't do as much as I wanted to. And then brunch. What else? Caught up on Temptation Island, which that shit is hella funny. Terrible. Um a great ass show i'm ready for like the season finale because it's like ah, niggas be wilding on that show but we're gonna get into our bouge business of the week the company that i want to shout out this week is called other cards and it's founded by my homegirl rolanda and yes and adrena it's a basically a black and brown business so basically what it is it's basically kind of like hallmark cards but they're for like women and it's like about women empowerment so they have anything from like sex cards to breakup cards why you start with the sex card <laughs> because that's what was on the top of my mind damn like i'm trying to think of like which ones are like they have it's monday it's what is it monday it's tuesday it's tuesday it's taco okay. tuesday all right taco tuesday taco tuesday Taco tuesday um <sighs> so they have breakup cards they have period cards they have sex cards they have and they have holiday cards. Um, they were also featured in Teen Vogue and Blavity. So definitely Is check- it informational? Is it like, um, you know, putting people on game, putting girls on game as they're growing up type vibe? Or is it? Yeah, I mean, some of them, like, I looked at their website. So some of the cards that they have are, like, basically, like, words of wisdom. Like, they have, like, some, like, quotes from like some of your favorite celebrities all that positive energy yeah. keep so, it pumping yeah so there's a lot of like empowerment cards but there's definitely like you know just some other like unique cards that they have so um yeah that's kind of what got them put on the map and that's how teen vogue and blavity found out about them so i'm so excited for them Thanks. i'm super proud of them and they both work at youtube actually so rolanda she actually um, she's a product marketing manager there, and she basically just like interviews a shit ton of celebrities. So oh, that is her job. That's yeah. solid. So she's lit. So <clears throat> definitely check them out. You can go to fourothercards.com and see what they have. Buy it for somebody for Christmas or just because. And yeah. Word on the street. All right, guys. Now it's time for our word on the street segment. What's going on? All right. So. What the pimp said. I mean, it's going to start off with a, like, fucked up tone because we have to address it. So, Juice World passed away. He passed away on Saturday. You know, RIP. That's really sad. He was only 21. Just fresh 21. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, condolences to his family and family and friends and his girlfriend um, he passed away from a seizure at the Chicago airport, was rushed to the hospital. He was conscious for a little bit, but then passed shortly afterwards. Um, so I wanted to bring this up just because there's 
a bigger conversation to be had about this whole thing, especially since, I mean, when they already announced that he passed, like there was already a lot of speculation because it was drug induced. And then it turns out it was drug induced, but then the media just, and I mean, this is what outlets everywhere where they just want to be the first one to break a story but there's been just so many different stories going around like, oh, he swallowed all these pills because he was like the feds were onto him or he like, you know, had anything from like Molly to like Percocet to some other pills to Xanax um, and then even like lean. And there's just so many different ways the media spinning this and then even putting that like his bodyguards were like arrested. They were trying to make it sound like it was linked to like his passing. So I'm basically just kind of over this whole thing of like, let the man, like, you know, his family is already going through a lot as it is like, let the man just rest in peace. Um, so yeah, For real. like, I don't know. And it's just, and I think obviously we could always talk about this in another episode, but like there's, this isn't like, Sure, there's been a lot of people before him that have passed away from, like, overdoses and whatnot. Um, It's nothing new, but I think right now there's, like, a really big thing with, like, a lot of, like, the younger rappers now that are just passing away from so many drugs. So, um, I mean, I definitely think that's something that needs to be discussed and, you know, why is this happening? And um, it's not new, but I think with social media, it's definitely more out there and pumping that into our culture pretty pretty heavily and um rappers like future rappers like the people that are really making money like that are all pumping that same type of quote-unquote hip-hop culture and hip-hop cultures you know applied to drugs and weed and um a bunch of other stuff that's destructive to the community itself so people get tied up in it and People get, you know, pressured into being a part of that, and it's, it's heavy. And those that don't, you know, go into that life and actually take a different route um, but are still talented kind of gets swept under the rug. So it's huge amounts of pressure, and it's tough, especially for a 21, 20-year-old. I mean, what were we doing when we were 20, 21? We didn't have everything figured out, so it's, it's pretty tough, and... I don't know. It seems like it's getting worse, but we got to just continue to, you know, self-motivate, self-educate, and and move forward and and try to be better forward and support the people that aren't part of that, like uh, the business that we just talked about. You know what I mean? So just keep on supporting, and um, condolences for sure. That's always heavy, but we got to do better. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think there's also the aspect of like, I mean, even just listening to a lot of Juice World's music, I mean, a lot of his music was promoting drugs, but at the same time, he also talked a lot about his depression and his anxiety. And, you know, so I think that mental health definitely plays a role in it. And so just finding the resources for not even just younger rappers or younger celebrities, but just like, you know, especially people of color in general, um, I feel like we uh, we've made so many strides with mental health awareness, but I think at the same time we're still we still have certain barriers up. And I think that with our trauma as people like people of color, I think that we still t- 
tend to find other coping mechanisms and especially when drugs are being promoted through music, social media, and other outlets, I think that's a way that people end up using those as coping mechanisms for their trauma, for their depression, and for their anxiety. So I think that's something that needs to be really said and addressed, and um, there just needs to be more resources out. But um, yeah, but again, condolences to his family and friends and um, everybody that's affected by his passing. So in lighter news, we're going to talk about Miss Universe. Miss Zuzbini Tunzi of South Africa was actually crowned Miss Universe. And we are so excited because, I mean, she's the first Black Miss Universe. Beautiful. Yes. And Love she is it. gorgeous. And uh, just even when she was like, her answers and her delivery was just so on point. And I mean, she's making so many strides. So I cannot wait to see what she does in the future. Um, but I also want to shout out the other black women that are a part of, you know, the royal family. Miss so, Universe, Miss Teen USA, who else? Yes, we got Miss America, Miss, yeah, they're all, so they're basically Miss all black USA. women. So Whew. definitely have to shout them out. And well, this is strong, baby. Right. So next person that we have, is, I can't even talk right now. Who we got? <laughs> we have. <laughs> I don't know. JK. Okay. So. JK who? Rollins? Or no? Damn, Rollins, bitch. Oh, so now you can't even talk. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Can we get to it? Yeah. All right. All right. So, Lauren London, she came out with a collaboration with Puma. And they just did the promotional video today. And I was in my feelings because basically, I mean, what am I not in my feelings? But it was, it was cute. I mean, it was like an ode to Nipsey Hussle. And it was a poem. Like she was basically doing some like poem, aka a little bit of spoken word. Um, but it yes, was really cute. Get that art going. Right. So I was really proud of it and proud of her and you know, grieving. I mean, it's a process and I'm happy that she's finally like putting more work out and I'm proud of her collaboration and, you know, just doing her thing. You know, when you see me, you see him. Period. Literally. Tattoo action. That's love. Yeah. That's real. Um, here we are back with the heavy shit. So Bill Cosby, I mean, this actually isn't bad news, but Bill Cosby lost his appeal to overturn his conviction I don't know why this nigga decided he wanted to appeal this shit, but he did, and he lost, which, I mean, that's some good news, because nobody wants him to go free. Um, and, I mean, don't look at me like... I don't know, man. I don't know if he did that, just like Michael Jackson molested all those kids, quote-unquote, when it was time for him to buy back all his masters. So, this yeah. can totally be a topic for another day. Mm. But I will definitely say, I so I believe he did do those actions. Did he do that with every single person that's accusing him? No, I don't think so. Because there's also been people like Janice Dickinson allegedly saying that he did these things and then kind of backpedaling. So... Mm. I think he might have done some stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't think he did it with all 60 people that came forward. Mm. Um, That's important. But either way, I mean, whether it's one person or 60, I think it's wrong. And or none. 
I think, okay, so we're just going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I just know that they're doing some wild shit in the entertainment when, when people are becoming a little bit too powerful or have a little bit too much influence. So I'm basically coming off of that. But I haven't really dug into the whole trial or anything of the sort. So I don't have any emotions towards or anything like that. I just watch the patterns of society and pattern is somebody gets too powerful or too uh, much influence one way or another and they don't go the way that they're supposed to go then stuff starts happening and charges get brought up and random stuff contractual agreements if you die if you get charged with this if you da 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 then this contract is null and void and the question is, what did he have going on in the background? Or was it really just him doing all of that extra stuff? Who knows? Well, I'm going to agree to disagree, but I'm going to just leave it at that. I don't have any uh, substance, so I'll have to actually dig into it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would just strongly encourage you, you know, to just look into, like, the testimonials that were, you know, brought up and even just the case and the trial and see, then make an educated guess on like where you stand with things. Um, And I just say that with anything in general, you know, as long as you have as many facts as possible and put the pieces together and then come up with your stance on it. Um, But, you know, again, everybody has their opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. So, um, I don't know what's up with me and talking Sheesh. about asses today. But... I don't know what it is, man. Right. Something about yeah, it. Yeah, booty trickling and a bunch <laughs> of other stuff. Right. I'll dig into it. I'll see what's up. Now I'll come up on a different episode. I might be right aligned with you in a minute, but we'll see what's up. Hey, you never know. Or you could not, and then we just have to debate it out. Um, mm-hmm. So, speaking of and I was people, on the debate team. Hey. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> What else? Speaking of more fuck shit, um, R. Kelly. So he's obviously already has a bunch of charges against him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but but anyways, we're not going to go back. We're not backpedaling. So, yes, R. Kelly is being charged. So he already has a bunch of charges against him right now. He has another one added to it, and it's basically bribing the person, I think the ordained minister, who basically the person who helped get him and Aaliyah married to get the fake, like, license. Like, not fake, yeah, fake license. Um, well, her fake ID, whatever. So, basically, he's getting charged with that shit. All I have to say to that is still a big fuck you. I hope you, whatever. I miss Aaliyah. I do, too. She was great. Um, actually, some good news about Aaliyah. So, her uncle is finally allowing her music on streaming services. Wow. Yeah, it's been like he's been withholding it for so long. That's why, like, there's very few things that you can find on like Spotify that's by her. Mm. Um, but he's officially going to be releasing her music to all streaming services. So Aww. I'm super, super excited about that's what's that. Up. I'm definitely rocking the boat later. Right. So, <laughs> <done>. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just like slid that in there. Like, no. Um. Okay. Do we want to talk about this Eminem and Nick Cannon bullshit? I have no idea what's going on. So this is like my newest hour. 
All right. So. I just react to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Eminem. So let me talk about 2009, since you probably don't know. No idea. All right. So Eminem claimed that he was sleeping with Mariah Carey and they were dating. She obviously said, no, we're not dating. That is that where um, the obsessed with me thing came from? Yes. So yes, that is exactly me? where obsessed came from. And oh. so, yeah, literally. I was wondering her. who she was talking about. Mm-hmm. She was talking about Eminem. And so he Let's basically came out with some, I think it was like a mixtape or some shit. And one of the songs basically had some snippets of like his like, it was basically snippets of his conversations with Mariah Carey. So it was like either voicemail or just some of their phone conversations. That's obsessive. Right. So because it's just like how you recorded like, you know, why did you hold on to shit like that? it was just weird. So it's in the cloud. Right. So he came it's up with shit cloud. like that. And that was still while him and Mariah Carey were still together. I mean, Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon were still together when he released that stuff. So they had beef from like 2009. Eminem just came out with some new shit recently, which I don't know who the fuck is checking for him, but whatever. He came out with some shit. A lot of people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> are we people. though? I'm not. I mean, right. A lot of you know what, you're are. right. Like, we're personally not, but I'm sure somebody out in the world is so wanting, many. is really eager for some Eminem music. Yeah. But um, yeah, he came out with a new, I think it was a new song, new single. And in one of the verses, it was basically talking about Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon. Mm. So Nick Cannon was talking about it on The Breakfast Club, and he was super annoyed, and he was basically trying to freestyle. To it. And so it just starts spiraling out of control. So is Nick Cannon going to make a diss track? He did. <laughs> that's, what, why, that's why we're talking about this, because oh, he man. made a diss track. But the funny thing about it, he made it. So it's called The Invitation, because... He wants to invite him on to Wild and Out <laughs> to do like a battle. battle. <laughs> oh my god, that's gonna be like, good TV though. That's it would be good TV, but I'm just like, really though, like I don't know. Ratings go through the roof, but and I'm I, that's a business move. He it might is get mashed out, but everybody gonna tune in for it. It is a business move, but I'm like, is it one that really needs to be made? So, because it's just like, guys, like nobody gives, nobody gives a fuck. Like nobody cares. So after all this shit, they've been going back and forth on fucking Twitter, and basically, he said something about him having a chauffeur, and then Eminem responded and be like, "You mad, bro? Stop lying on my dick. I've never even had a chauffeur. You bougie fuck." Like so, they're like. All these sweets, right? And then he's like, I demand an apology, Nicholas. You've made my gardener so jealous. So, <laughs> my gardener. Right. Basically, about? saying, like, you're not, like, I don't give a fuck, but it's like, but you keep responding. So, you do give a fuck, clearly, nigga. Like, ugh. so they're just, they're still feuding. And he invited him on to Wild Now. And I'm like, I don't know if he's actually going to do it. Um, but you're right. I mean, it would make, because, I mean, People still watch Wild and Out when it came back, but I'm like, nobody's really watching it like that right now. Unless, like, like the only time I've ever seen it recently is when, like, a bigger celebrity has been on it and someone puts, like, a snippet on, like, TMZ or That's The Shade the Room. That's the only time I see it. Literally. Because I'm not like, oh, let me just, you know, 
put on Wild and Out real quick. Like, no. So I don't know if they're actually going to do it, but we'll see. Fun times. Fun times. So, <laughs> <laughs> last but not least, um, Cassie and Alex Fine welcome their baby girl. Oh. Um, What's the name? I think, what is the name again? It starts with an F. Um, Frankie. Fassy. It's Frankie Fine. Frankie Fine. Mm. Like, I kind of had a feeling they That's were going to do though. an F, though, because, like, the last name's fine. But, yeah, it's Frankie Fine. That's dope. It is dope. But I'm really happy for her. I'm really happy. proud of her. Yeah, I mean, proud of them. I'm happy she, you know, got what she wanted. It's with someone who, like, actually gives a fuck about her. Loves her unconditionally. Nah, is that her? Yep. Okay. It's definitely got <laughs> she made her move. Hey. Uh. All right, guys. Well, that is it for our segment of Word on the Street. And we are going to take a quick break and be right back. Hey, guys. Just want to give a shout out to our sponsor for this week's episode, Anchor. Anchor is legit the easiest way to make a podcast. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer and even your phone. Anchor will distribute your podcast so it can be heard from Spotify, Apple Music, and so many other streaming services. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And the best perk of all, it's free 99. Yes, you heard that right. It's everything you need and more to make a podcast. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, and we are back. So we are back with today's Chronicle, and guess what we're talking about? We're talking about American Sun. Heavy. Right. So Heavy, 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 heavy. For those of you that have not seen American Sun, it is the play-turned-movie on Netflix um, starring Carrie Washington. Basically, her son was missing, and she goes to the police department and try to figure out where her son is and it's just a shitload of stuff that happens so if you have not seen it you probably should not be listening to this episode Super loaded yeah um yeah so if you haven't seen it you know watch it real quick come back and hear our take on it otherwise just stay tuned and spoiler alert right we're not gonna tell you then no we'll tell you then Why? um don't tell me we gotta go through this whole the whole movie, bro. Okay, so right. it starts off, and can I just say, I love all the actors in it. They did a phenomenal job. I mean, majority of them were in the original play. Um, it didn't really translate well into a movie, because they literally didn't even change the script from the play. So you could kind of tell it was a, it was like screenwriting, but I mean, overall, they did a phenomenal job. So it starts out where she's basically you can see that she's having an argument with somebody. You don't know who that somebody is. And then it switches to the scene of her super frantic in the police station. It's raining outside. It just seems like everything is just, you know, she just seems like scared and upset and just frazzled. So she's been waiting in the police station for, I would say, about two hours at this point. Her son has been missing for about four, um, which is why she goes to the police station. He is 18. And basically, they're not giving her any answers of, like, where he could be. 
it's kind of like when you go to the police for your cell phone and you know they just run you through the muck for a little bit and you know have you fill out a report and all these other things and don't give you any answers and say they'll work on it so it was kind of that type of vibe and you can imagine a mother that has a missing son and how upset she could be if they're giving her this type of runaround especially if they just argue so there's no telling well especially if you also have a black son so so carrie washington her character i think her name is karen in the movie i didn't even know that was carrie washington really nope couldn't even tell damn i mean it it's just anyways so Yes, so she has, she's a teacher at the local college, um, obviously has her PhD. She's very educated and in how white people would say well-spoken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm bringing that up as a point because like, it, you know, I'll get there. But, um, you know, so she's clearly trying to tell, you know, the officer and clearly they give her like this rookie cop who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He probably is all of like 25 years old um and so the way that he's just talking to her though is just all types of fucked up like the way that he tries to like enunciate his words and talk really really slowly it's like super condescending basically trying to tell her like well we don't have any information basically it was almost like he was trained how to tell people to calm down even and say, oh, we don't have certain things. We're doing the best that we can, even though he knows damn good and well that they're not. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of runaround. And so she basically was just starting to get tired of it. She started bringing up basically like you're doing this because I am a black woman. You're a white cop. Um, kind of just started throwing that dynamic out there, which I mean, it's true. You know, they're they're in like they're basically in the suburbs where this took place. Um, and he's just not being helpful whatsoever. She wants to speak to his supervisor. He keeps saying, my supervisor won't be in until like 8 a.m. And it's like probably like three in the morning at this point. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just a whole lot of mess. So after like them fighting for a while and them bickering, she finally, well, he finally is like, so what do you want me to do? And she's like, basically do your fucking job. So... He finally kind of like settles down and starts asking her questions. No, actually, let's like rewind for a second because there was like a bunch of microaggressions while they were fighting. So um, she was basically saying, you don't know what it's like to have a black son, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, why are we making this about race? He basically said that. And then she's like, well, then do you have a black son? And he wasn't trying to answer the question. He was trying to be empathetic is where that came from. And he was like, you know what? I understand where you're coming from. And he kept on saying that. And it kind of triggered her. She said, you know what? You don't understand where I'm coming from. Do you have a black son? Yes, I have kids. I have kids too. He actually mentioned that first. He's like, oh, do you have a black son? Nope. Okay. Daughter, son, what is it? I have two white daughters. And there was a big long ass pause. She was like, "Yeah, you have no idea." But I agree because it's like he again. I feel like he was going back to this whole 
like whatever PR training they put him through to tell someone it's going to be okay and to basically calm down and say, I understand. And maybe he was genuinely being empathetic, but at the same time, it's like, you don't necessarily understand what it's like to walk, you know, in not even just the U.S., but just in society in general, being a person of color, being especially being a black man. And yes, even though her son is biracial, it's like, you don't understand what that actually Still means. Still the same way. Literally, exactly. At the end of the day, they don't see you as biracial. They see you as black. So that's why she pointed out, like, do you have black? Do you have a black son? And he's like, no, I have two beautiful white daughters. Yeah, you fucking do. Because like, so don't say that you're empathetic and that you understand the situation because you don't. So, anyways, after they finally, at this point, it gets awkward. They finally simmer down a little bit. So he starts asking questions like. Do you know what he was wearing? Do you know, like, what car he was driving? She's like, of course, it was my son's car. Um, and then... Then he was like, you know what? Um, does he have any priors on him? Does he have any... Is he, a, like, a felon? Has he had any convictions or anything like that? It's like, why does that matter? My son is missing. Can you find him? It's like, well, we have to know the whole story, so... She was basically getting upset at all of the different questions that he was asking and describing. And she probably felt like if he wasn't a black son, then he wouldn't be asking about, you know, the priors and things of that sort. And it reminded me of a story that, you know, a white guy killed a black guy. Right. Let's get deep into it. And the description in the paper was, you know, a well-dressed man kills this um, African-American guy um, and the African-American guy had a prior conviction when he was 17 of having marijuana on him. And the question in the uproar was, why does this man as a victim, why is this criminal record a part of this story? And why is the assailant or the white man described as a well-dressed man in this situation. So a little bit of that was put into the story in this way where, you know, he, she's forced to describe her son in a way. Um, does he have any scars, any tattoos, any... Does he have a street name? Street like, name, that shit was that like... Alias, um, right? It was just a way to kind of like frame like almost like if he did have a street name, if he were to have a prior conviction, then it would frame it like, I mean, it was deserved almost. Like that, that's basically what people were getting at. It tried to like creates this narrative, right? Like even with the whole Trayvon Martin case where it was just like, you know, he was a super young kid, literally was unarmed, wasn't a threat whatsoever. But during the trial, they did try to throw in the fact that they found marijuana in his system. So it's a way to kind of, basically criminalize the person that basically was the victim. You know, in horror movies, how you can tell when, or thrillers when somebody's about to die, like they start doing a bunch of fuck shit. So like in Power, I don't know if you've seen oh it or not, everybody that dies just started doing a bunch of fuck shit. And it just makes it okay for them to die for the, for the viewer. And it's done subconsciously, right? It's done purposely but they frame it in a way where the audience is okay with that person dying well keisha did some fuck shit she shouldn't have signed that paper 
<laughs> well, you know, everybody that dies is like that. In horror movies, it's always the, you know, sexually um, promiscuous girl and the black guy. And something's always wrong with the person that, you know, overly audacious. And then that person dies first. So the same thing happens in real life. They just, you know, are a little bit more sneaky about how they frame the different things for the viewing audience, which is America and everywhere else, to be okay with that person dying. And it's tough. Well, it's a way to change the perception, the narrative, and to essentially make people that are looking into the story, like the outside looking in, it makes them be more desensitized towards it and have less empathy for the person that was harmed. Um, so basically he started asking those questions. Does he have scar? Does he have tattoos? Does he have a street name? Um, and you now Where are the scars from, right? Literally. (laughs) Um, and so when you look at how the movie ended, you understand why he was asking those questions because he already, I mean, at the end of the day, like the rookie cop already knew the outcome. Um, it was just a way to get more information, unnecessary information so that he can, create this narrative so obviously she's getting riled up when that happens and she's like i want to know where my son is i mean like any mother would be right they just want to know where their fuck their kid is and so he finally like goes back and he's like well my boss again he kind of reiterates my boss won't be here until 8 a.m and so she's like you've said that already multiple times so they start getting upset with each other again he's like i have to like walk away and so she then gets on the phone with her estranged husband right and this guy he's a white man he is an fbi agent but like i guess some they didn't really get into too many details on like why the marriage didn't really work out but he's living with someone else right he has another significant other at this point um fast forward it didn't work out because he wouldn't see her perspective on things over and over and over again and he didn't want to be in the middle of a heated argument over and over and over again that he really didn't understand or couldn't understand. And it's just a wedge drive between driven between two, you know, people from different worlds. So that's a lot of friction. There's there might be a lot of great parts, but at the same time when it comes down to it and things get real, like those values were completely different and he got tired of arguing back and forth about it. So he stepped out is what he said. So he said, I walked out on you. I didn't walk out on my son. But well, and yeah. that's even tough as well. Right. And we'll we'll dig into that a little bit deeper later on. Um, so she goes, because she's asking for water at this point. He refuses to get her coffee and stuff. She's like, is there at least a water fountain? So I don't know. I mean, I get why they show this scene, but it's like basically an older building it used to be a segregated building because he's like, oh, well, there's a reason why there's two water fountains in different size. And she's like, because one's for white people and one's for colored people. So they have this whole scene while she's like at the water fountain, just like really upset. In the middle of all this happening, they go back to a scene where it's literally the rookie cop and the dad walks in, right? Super tall, white guy, kind of like, where is, you know, where's Jay? That's, I mean, that's what he called his son, right? He called his son Jay. And so this is when, apparently the cop, the rookie cop never has ever seen the supervisor before, which I was kind of confused about. 
Um, but he assumed that the white man that walked in was the supervisor. So he immediately goes into like talking all this shit about Carrie Washington, basically saying like, oh, you know, she's just a raging bitch and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but immediately says everything that he knows about what's going on with Jay. So then immediately Carrie Washington walks in and was like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, that's her husband. Like, thank you. Like, you're finally here. That's when the cop puts two and together and is just like, oh, shit, you're not actually the supervisor who's supposed to be meeting us here. You're actually the dad. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he just put his foot in his mouth for real. I mean, rookie cop did. And um, I don't know. With that, I guess that's the allegiance to the badge type vibe because as soon as he saw it then he started spilling everything humanly possible that he had and the allegiance to the badge is a lot stronger than even the service to the community or people that are paying the taxes because this is a mom that's lost her son and you know we have protocol we have protocol and then we dig into you know the allegiance to the badge and you know he starts spilling his guts and things of that sort so it's kind of like um uh let me see, like a power tug of war between giving answers, getting answers, who to talk to, things of that sort. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was a, a weird relationship between the three of them. And even when she asked what was being said or what was going on, you know, the, the father shut her out. He was like, nothing. You know what I mean? Even though this recap was giving her all types of shit, calling her a raging bitch and things of that sort as well. So he's not even defending his estranged wife in this. He's defending the badge. So right. that's what I got out of that. Yeah, I mean, he's completely shutting her out. And even, and it's crazy that the cop initially thought, oh, just because this like white man walks in asking by a specific name, like, this is the person who's in charge. He immediately thought this was like an authority figure. So as they're shutting out Kerry Washington, basically the FBI agent and the rookie cop are basically just kind of chopping it up and like talking about like he, I don't know, they're actually vibing at one point. And he's even like the dad's even like, yeah, like I can give you like a recommendation and blah, blah, blah. So like they're, you know, they're clearly just being hella disrespectful at this point towards Kerry Washington and um obviously on their like misogynistic ass bullshit um so the cop finally leaves because he's like oh i'm gonna grab you some coffee i'm gonna do you know i'm gonna get more information for you guys right but it's still being fucked up towards her but is being super nice to, to the guy to the dad um so as this is all going on then the dad starts going into his whole spiel of like you know i bought him that car and like i I don't think he's hanging out with the right people. You know, he would have never got into this because basically what they find out from the cop. Well, the dad finds out from the cop is that they actually do have his car. His car like was, you know, they basically booked three black men. Um, and so they're trying to figure out was one of the black men, their son and who like who else was in the car. Um, somebody apparently had a warrant for their arrest over a petty crime. So, when the cop leaves, that's when the dad and Carrie Washington are just basically going over. He's like, I know that, like, I don't know who he's hanging out with. You know, he's just been hanging out with so many thugs. You know, 
he's been braiding his hair recently and like sagging his jeans and basically just being super fucked up. And so she's trying to say he's going through a phase. He keeps cutting her off. He keeps saying all these microaggressions and how, you know, he's supposed to be going to West Point in the fall and all this other shit when he's basically placing what he wants on his son um, onto Jake. And he refused Apparently this kid's name is Jamal and refuses to call him Jamal um, because it's too ethnic of a name. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's heavy. That's heavy. Um, with that, basically as a whole, you know, life set out for him. And a lot of times uh, parents are kind of like that. You know what I mean? They went through some issues themselves or they've had traditions and they want their kids to go and follow the same paths and things of that sort and had a best and, you know, be successful, period. And um, that's basically what he wanted, which is not bad from the father perspective. Uh, we found out that he was at all the different games. He supported him for the whole entire time. And, you know, Jamal was following that and, you know, doing very well with it. So the thing is, he went to a school with maybe like three black people total. And I can relate. I went to a, a college with three black people total. So I get it. And it's almost like you're the voice of the entire race when you're in situations that way. And everybody looks at you when things happen. Um, that's a lot of pressure, number one. And, but at the same time, it's, it was a positive thing for me. But at the same time, in this stance, in this age, and with all of these things going on, um, once the father left out, after he patterned his whole life, after what his father wanted, like he hopped into some rebellious side shit. And rebellious side shit wasn't really bad. It was just you know, digging into his own culture and his own culture has been demonized from pretty much everybody in the, the country right now. So not everybody in the country, but, you know, police force in the country and things of that sort. So that's tough. So they're having that back and forth core. Like, why is it bad to indulge in your own culture? Why is it bad to be in a car with two black friends, right? If it's two white friends, is it a bad thing, right? So the connotations and the different things were what they were talking about. But, I mean, it was definitely heavy. And in this part, they were really harping on, you know, the, the attitudes that aren't spoken. Those unspoken laws like Jim Crow laws, almost, of society. And, and we all know what's going on there. But, um, you know, some they're so deeply embedded that some people or most people don't even realize that they have these these attitudes towards these type of things until you really dig in and question them over and over. <clears throat> and that's what was happening in these scenes. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a bunch of different dynamics going on and mind you, we never end up actually seeing Jay at all um, throughout this whole thing, but there's like the pressure of just being an adolescent. I mean, in 2019, that's already completely different from like when we were kids. Right. And then there's the pressures of being birate, not only just biracial, but also living as a black man, especially in the suburbs. Um, and then you're also getting the pressure of your parent who wants you to like live in this certain way. I mean, because basically the dad was saying that like he comes from a family of like 
basically every man in his family has been in law enforcement in some type of way. And so that's why he was pushing for Jamal to go to um, go to West Point. And so when you're having all that pressure coming at you from different angles, of course, as a teenager, you're going to rebel, you're going to try to act out. It's, you know, a way of feeling like you want to be heard, you feel neglected, like there's so many avenues on why that's happening and so his dad was kind of taking that in a way of like he's just hanging around these thugs and like would literally just continuously say these microaggressions um and so carrie washington obviously was just trying to like debunk everything that he was kind of saying and um he just really wasn't having it and you know it kind of it kind of brings it up another perspective of like, there's so many people that I'm sure we all know that are white and say, well, you know, I'm not racist because I have black friends or I'm not racist because I have a black kid. But it's like, clearly in this case, it's like, yes, he was married to a black woman. Yes. He has a black kid. But at the end of the day, he's racist as fuck, you know? And so it brings up that whole dynamic as well. And he even says that while they're like, kind of hashing out their issues between like him and her like their own issues in their marriage when he's kind of talking about she's talking about well you don't understand because i'm from she's from some part i mean you would probably know where it's at it's like in florida near miami but it's like the hood that's where she was saying that she was originally from and he Mm kind of said something like well that's one thing i liked about you so there's the whole like white savior complex on top of this too um you know, like that was something that kind of like triggered me a little bit. Cause it's like, he was essentially, it's like, there's a lot of men, especially like white men from the suburbs who want to play this white savior thing. Like they're playing captain save And it's just like, that's, it's almost, it furthers their fetishism of black women. I didn't see that, but it makes <laughs> sense though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was something that I kind of picked up on. That's why he like kind of stopped when he was saying it. Cause it was just like, that's fucked up you know it's just it's fucked up to be like well that's why like i was really basically feeling you it's like no yeah it's heavy it's loaded everything was loaded um what do they dig into next um i think we can hop over to the part where like finally the supervisor comes in and you know plot twist He's not a white man. He's a black man, right? <laughs> and so... As, <laughs> well, because, I mean, everybody was assuming that he was going to be some, like, white man in charge. And clearly he wasn't. He was, yeah. like, an older black man. Yeah. And then at this point, the dad is just really upset because he's like, I want to know where my son is. You know, he's just really upset. Because at this point, they saw a video. So I guess the, the husband... His brother worked at some news station, sent over some video like, yo, is this Jamal? Basically, it was a video of somebody getting shot. So they're frantic. They're upset. They're trying to figure out if that's their son in the video. And so that's when the that's when the supervisor comes in. Like, where is my son? So he's throwing like a I don't want to. At first, it wasn't a tantrum. Every parent in their right mind would be upset. Right. But then it starts getting into this like super like macho white man like hyper masculine bullshit where he's just like where's my son and like throwing a tantrum and so um at the end that's why and i know you're looking at me hella crazy she was throwing the tantrum earlier she i mean 
But I will say there's a difference, right? Where she was like, I'm just frustrated because she's not getting any answers. He was getting so many answers as they can give him. But then at this point, he's just getting, and I get it. You're a parent and you're getting upset. But at one point, like he starts shoving the supervisor and the supervisor didn't even touch him yet. And I hate that guy, by the way, because he was trash. But we'll get into that <laughs> in a second. But like was literally just pushing him. It's like, yo, this dude didn't even do shit to you. And so finally the black guy, the black supervisor is like, all right, we're just going to detain your ass because like you can't control yourself, right? But it's like you were trying to push your authority so much because I get it. FBI. Right. And he kept, and that was the thing that I was like, oh, so this isn't necessarily about your son at this point because it's like you keep throwing the fact out that you're an FBI agent, that you have this type of power and he was looking down almost on like the black man the black uh, i don't want to call he's not a supervisor he's like is he a captain police captain something like that so he lieutenant a lieutenant okay thank you so he kept looking down on him and kept throwing his badge around and that's why he's like okay well i'll just detain your ass you know so finally at this point yes Carrie Washington was like upset and yelling and everything. Finally, she settles down. They're having a conversation and she basically, he's like, look, we're starting to get more, you know, developing stuff about the story. We're trying to figure everything out. And she's like, I just want to know what's going on with my son. Right. She keeps saying that. Then he goes into this whole talk about how, like, I, at one point, I started zoning out during the talk because I was like, oh, so, like, you're Uncle Tom. <laughs> like, because he keeps going into this whole story about how, you know, at the end of the day, like, basically, you should be compliant. He's like, you know, they, like, I, you know, the first time that you're a cop, like, the first thing that they throw you into is, like, being in, like, the inner city and X, Y, and Z. And, you know, like, they just disrespect you and blah, blah, blah. When in reality, they just need to shut their mouth and, like just saying all this, him as a black man saying this to a black woman. And so she basically insinuated that he was like from the suburbs, from all this, when in reality, he was actually from the same hood that she was from. So it's just like, she called him uncle Tom. He was uncle Tom though. The only set him off though. That is what set him off. But the only thing that I do agree with him on out of his whole whack ass, uncle Tom, Ash spill he was, was right about all that shit about her, though. He was right about half the shit that he said about her. He was. All that shit. That's why she had nothing to say back. Well, because she was trying. Yeah, because it's like, you, well, because it was just like, you want to say that you're just down. He kept basically saying, like, long story short, was saying that you want to be this down ass chick that's like over here being like sister soldier and shit. But it's like, you over here wanted so much access. You wanted privilege at the end of the day, which is why you ended up with this white man. And so she got super triggered. And obviously it set him off because he she called him Uncle Tom. But the one thing that I do agree with him that he did say was when he was just like, at the end of the day, like this American dream, it wasn't built for you and me. This whole white picket fence fantasy, like this was never set out to be successful for us. That's the one thing I agree with him on out of his whole spiel about being compliant. Everything else was just bullshit because no matter at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how compliant you are. As a person of color, they always say, well, you should have just been sitting there. You should have, you know, just shut your mouth and X, Y, and Z. We still get gunned down at the end of the day. We do. That's a fact. You know, so it's like, how compliant can you be? Even if you're, even if you're literally saying like Philando Castillo, you can literally say, I have a registered gun. I am licensed to carry. 
and you still get gunned down. Yeah. So it's heavy. It is. And so it just it hella triggered. Like this this whole movie was triggering. Like the first five minutes I was triggered. And uh, so it and it also kind of brought up some stuff with me too, because it's just like you can at the end of the day, I think with this whole story, you can have a level like they kept saying, like when the parents kept fighting, it was just like, you know, we wanted the best for him. Like we wanted him to go to the best schools. We wanted X, Y, and Z. They made sure that he like was surrounded by a certain group of people. Like you can have a level of access, but at the end of the day, like that doesn't even matter. Cause at the end of the day, you're still just a black person to them. Like that ass. Yeah. It's just tough. I mean, and honestly, I can go through my stories. I went through plenty of it. So being in the South and everything in Florida and like literally getting pulled over for absolutely nothing. Um, getting rammed into certain situations and, you know, getting pulled over, you know, the reasons were, and I spoke to some police captains and I spoke to some other people and I was like, you know what? Yeah, they did. That was a setup for sure. They do that on a regular basis. I spoke to some other people. It was like, you know what? Um, a lot of these cops will give you everything that they can to get a felony. You know what I mean? To get a felony out of you. And it's either, their commission structure or something like that or whatever it is, but, you know, they're getting rewarded for doing, you know, stuff like this on a regular basis. I've talked to a well-to-do suburban black guy that was kind of like the lieutenant and, you know, he was getting pulled over in his neighborhood for having his wheels touch the yellow line while he's driving, right? The little dashed line that was yellow, it touched. He got pulled over for that talking about, are you okay? Are you intoxicated? This and that. And he had gotten pulled over a few times like that. Why? Because he has a nice car and he's one of the only black people there. And he had to go to the police captain there and complain about all that stuff. And then it stopped randomly, right? So stuff like that. And I got pulled over for looking like I didn't know where I was going. And I knew exactly where I was going. You know what I mean? So, I mean, obviously it's out there. There's plenty of stories of this and that. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, all you could do is all you could do. And what this lieutenant was saying was that they make it worse. They make it worse because of this and that. They make it worse because they should have shut down and shut up. They make it worse because at the same time, like she just said, the outcome is the outcome in a lot of different ways. A lot of different scenarios and it is what it is he ended up getting shot for coming out and the detail about it was he came out to put his hands up and put his hands on the hood you know what i mean to be compliant he said maybe he slipped or something like that but one of the assailants came up to the car to the police car while he was sitting there writing a ticket so he was on the ground with a gun in his face then the other one gets out starts running so he shoots a shot at this guy that's running away and then the third is jamal and he comes out trying to be compliant and he slips and he's the one that gets shot in the head and dies on impact right so the scenario is a scenario and what we didn't even mention was the bumper sticker that triggered all of the badges in this place and it said um, shoot cops with cameras when you get pulled over. 
be safe or something like that. But the shoot cops was in big bold letters. So they're saying if you're dumb enough to have that type of bumper sticker, that would flag me. That would make me uh, upset. That would make me scared, things of that sort. And then she ended up blaming herself for letting that stay on there for the one day that it was on there. But it drew uh, different attention than it should and made them a target where so they might not have been um, beforehand, even though they would have been because they saw them do like a hand-to-hand marijuana transaction and followed them for that. But regardless, it's a lot. It was a loaded movie. It was a lot of different topics that they spoke about, either in a small way or a big way. But um, just like Queen and Slim, super loaded, a lot of propaganda, but at the same time, like, there's lessons to learn. I'm not sure what it'll be, but somebody might have a lesson to learn. Do you have a lesson that could be learned? Um, I don't think I necessarily have a lesson to learn from this. Also, another thing that we left out was that the cop, for the longest time, they thought the cop that shot him was white. Turns out he was black as well. Um, but it kind of brings... I think I saw an interview where Kerry Washington was actually talking about the whole, you know, the movie and the play in general. So basically she was saying that she needed to check her bias as a writer for the screenplay and for the movie. And um, also just, you know, the stigma that kind of comes within that we need to just change our, just change the system in general. I mean, there's so much we need to change with the system, but like starting with like training and unbiased training. Um, But I think... I don't know if I really, and I mean, even with Queen and Slim, which we'll probably do a different episode, but I don't think I necessarily learned anything from American Sun or from Queen and Slim. I think right now I'm kind of, I'm at this weird place when it comes to movies like this, where it's like, literally I was triggered the whole entire time. It brought up stuff with my own experiences and my own situations with cops um, and just my own upbringing. Um, but I think that I honestly feel like police brutality movies and shows are becoming the, it's becoming the modern day slave movies at this point. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. as we were growing up, that's literally what we always saw where it was like, I don't like anything from like 12 years slave to like Django. To, there's so many other movies that it portrays that and, now we're seeing it shift into like literally police brutality movies. Um, and are we necessarily growing from this? Are we actually like learning something from this? Are we finding Divide solutions around this? Are we act- right? Are we actually like dealing with a conflict or are we actually just desensitizing ourselves even more and creating the trauma for ourselves over and over again and repeating that? Um, so I think that's something that I'm kind of questioning when it comes to these movies. I, you just know, it's the latter. Right. So that's just kind of where I'm at with this one. Yeah. So if I would say anything is stop watching movies because honestly <laughs> it's quote unquote entertainment, but it's programming. And that's what they called it for a long time. Programming It's programming for a reason. And they're programming our minds to think a certain way, to desensitize certain things. And a lot of times you see movies and then those things play out in real life as well. Um, and it's not the other way around. 
9-11s or everything that you've seen in the movies has come to reality at some point or is a reality and we're not aware of it at some point and we're desensitized because we saw it already so understand that it's not just entertainment and the more you dig into that the more upset or the more your blood will boil um, and you wonder why they don't take down videos like the police brutality videos that we've been seeing from these social media networks but you know comments and pictures and videos that are way less uh fucked up for lack of a better term you know stay up so i think that's also you know programming as well and and really driving a wedge um watch the documentary and they were talking about the political racism things of that sort and people overseas would create black lives matter type of uh parades and things of that sort and events and invite people to come and you know, spew hateful stuff on there and, and, you know, throw some mules in there to create some violence and things of that sort. So, like, these are tools that not even, we are not even in control of, even though we created them. You know what I mean? So it's been super heavy. They do it all over the world. Um, I forgot the name of the doc, but I'll put it back on uh, on the next episode. But it's, it's really... This company shut down, but they had a hand in a lot of different uh, political races, even the Donald Trump race and stuff like that. So the more you put stuff together, the more you understand. But entertainment, entertainment, movies, movies, like try not to watch too much of them. It's either demonic or Satanist or... It's uh, propaganda, or it's hate film, or it's comedy, or it's dumbing you down. Or, you know what I mean? Dig into some audiobooks. I think, for me personally, I don't mind entertainment. I don't mind seeing things that are happening in our reality. I think the thing when it comes to police brutality, I'm not saying, how am I trying to phrase this? I'm not saying that. I believe that every artist should be able to showcase their craft, right? And in cases like this, I think, yes, Carrie Washington, at the end of the day, they put on a great play. They did, you know, they brought up a topic that needs to be discussed. They framed it in a way that it was coming from, like, different perspectives and different angles. But at the same time, it's like, as an artist and as a creative, I think people need to take into account that what are you, you're bringing up something that we live like this is our reality, you know, this is what we go through on a daily basis. So what are you necessarily bringing to the table that's different than every other police brutality movie, than every other slave movie, than every other movie that is basically, you know, showcasing our oppression. So what kind of solutions are going to be driven into your craft? What kind of, you know, like there needs to be something else coming to the table than just here's another police brutality movie and we're just going to show that, you know, this could be you or someone that you know, or someone that you love, or, you know, like it just, it's getting old and it's like, it is essentially like desensitizing people to their trauma and actually making people relive their shit. So let us know what you think. Um, yeah. And send all your comments and questions and, um, just, you know, your take on this 
to thebougetochronicles at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. All right, guys, and we are back. So we're about to start our segment, Latest Feels. Yo, this is my favorite segment, though. I bet it is, though. It is, though. So what have I been listening to? Honestly, I've been down a rabbit hole. So obviously, most people who have Spotify know that they came out with basically a summary of 2019 and the decade. So, yeah. So I've literally been listening to, like, everything from 2019 mm. um so that's been anything from like cali uchi to frank ocean nah, what's that but- heavy rotation though? <laughs> that's what i want to know okay well one of the songs of my heavy rotation so this apparently was like my most played song for 2019 you're probably gonna laugh at it but like i love it oh, so man. much Is it right? Mm. Okay, so seconds be. I know. Okay, so that is that twenty nine. That was close. That was so like that close. was <laughs> whatever. That was What If by Amber Mark. So she's that was like her latest album that came out a couple months ago. And it's just basically been on repeat. Um, on yeah. my end, let me find my top song. All right. Pop in here real quick. Um, so is the top one the top song? Is that what it is? Yeah. Ooh, I didn't know that. I was over here like this, though. We're a different breed, baby. You're not ready for this life. This is, uh, this is that Dave East, though. Change your life with one swing. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a lot of intro. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're just going to go here to number two. Hey. Ah, uh, you know what this is. Vibes. I'm fucking it up for this cool though. Hey. I'm gonna let y'all vibe out real quick. Y'all know what it is. Hey. Um, I ain't no radio DJ, so. But if I was, just know. It'll be popping. And you can meet me at the London. <laughs> uh. Whoa. I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna let you do it. Whoa. What you got going on over there? All right. So in my rabbit hole, um, I mean, everybody knows that Xavier Omar is probably one of my favorite artists, uh-huh. and um, he can't. Okay. Well, now you know. Now you know, nigga. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Middle of Things is probably one of my favorite songs from him, him and Sango. And so actually from that album back in like that had to be back in like 2016. Mm. They just came out with a new album like a month ago. And so it's Xavier Omar and Sango and this is their song Keeping Me. Daddy, oh, 
There's a little bit of intro too. You should have it ready. You should have it ready. Put it on cue, B. He's over here rolling his eyes at me. He doesn't like it, but it's okay. Cause I'll play middle. <sighs> One of these days I'll show you middle of things. You're going to love it. Okay. It's a, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's a vibe. I'm not going to be booty tickled. I promise. You won't be booty tickled. Yeah, I mean, I fucking... <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I was going to say it might tickle something else, but. <laughs> nah, son. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a song? Man, listen. Straight to the. If you know, you know. But if you don't, you better learn. I'm about to be like DJ Drama and talking mad shit for absolutely no reason before the song starts. Yeah, I mean, I'll work on that though. We only got eight seconds left because it's 29 seconds. Uh, oh. Hey. R.I.P. Nip, for sure. Definitely a good look. Uh, all summer long, it's been like that. So, nice. But he's solid, though. So, something else I've been listening to has been Gold Link. So, he came out with a new album, I would say, like, two months ago at this point. But his song with Khalid, Days Like This, that is my shit. Yep, so that is Days Like This by Golink and Khalid. Mm. Anything else? Oh, there's plenty more over here, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna keep it short. I don't, don't want to have them have my whole whole playlist. No, I feel like you can save it for next time. It's all good. Unless we gotta be on our grown ups. No. We might have to get on our grown up action. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, we used to flirt with freedom. Uh. For everybody knew our name. Facts. We became their favorite secret. Love for love and not for fame. I might have to just get in trouble and go for 40.
That's not that slow. And Miguel too, man. And John, let that cell phone ring. I'm red. Don't even answer that. All right, so look, vibes. It is a vibe. I mean. You can learn a few things. Just be over Damn. here sometimes. No, I'm just surprised. You're over here. Look at you over here on your sentimental shit. Yeah, like, be what? like that sometimes. We gotta grow up. All right. Treat our queens right, yeah? <laughs> right. So is there any like last minute announcements that you have? I don't know. If y'all know some spoken word places, let me know. Because I haven't been one since I've been out here. And I need to get to one. ASAP. Second Mondays, bro. I got new shit. Second Mondays. They always host at, usually they host at Red um, Red Bay Coffee. Yeah, I need to know these things. Yeah. Second so, Mondays. Talk about what's today? The 10th? This sounds like, oh, that's the first. Yeah. I'm missing it. It was yesterday? You missed it. It was yesterday. You didn't even tell me, dude. I mean, you didn't ask. That's Damn. Cool. That's all good. See, next time, though. Next time. You know yeah, it's basically second, second Mondays is where a bunch of creatives get together they either do poems, they do spoken word, they do so many other art forms, but a lot of it tends to be a lot of spoken word. Facts. So, so I'm about to throw my poem at the end of this, and you tell me if y'all fuck with it. <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> All right, cool. It ain't that type of part. Y'all can oh, pop on the mushroom, Damn. Your guy friend. <laughs> 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 Got my own so. podcast. You can listen to my shit over there. Or on Instagram, just be woods. Just be woods. So, upcoming events for this weekend. So, Trap Karaoke. It's going to be Friday, December 13th at 8 o'clock. It's going to be at New Parish in Oakland. Tickets are still available on Eventbrite. Head over and get your ticket now. And then, last but not least, got a shout out for my friends, the Toasted Guys. So they are having their third annual Toasted Life Culture Ball wow, Culture Ball Gala. Hey. It's going to be at the W Hotel in San Francisco. And that's going to be on Saturday, December 14th. And that's going to be at 8 o'clock as well. That's Tickets are, look. yes, Always definitely going to be a good time. Shout out to my boy Matt for putting that shit through. Hey. And the whole squad, because it's not just him. We got a whole team behind it. You know what I mean? <laughs> they all good. Yeah, tickets are still available on Eventbrite, or you can just go to their Instagram handle, and then you can go through the link on their bio. And last minute announcements for me, I would have had one, but you know how those NDAs be. Um, so all I can say right now is that I'm working with an app. So as soon as as soon as they put out their ish, then I could officially announce what we are working on. Hey. So, yes. Yeah, so, probably by next episode, I'll be able to announce. We out. Yeah. See you guys next time.